my name is Ben Sadler, and I'm here with John Mullen, and this is the What's Up With That podcast. The What's Up With That podcast is a, a deep dive into life's most important questions from a Christian point of view. And now this is our second episode, and, and each time we get together, we want to talk about a what's up with that question. And, and today, the question we want to answer is, what's up with the Bible feeling like a fairy tale? You know, sometimes you're reading the Bible and, and these miracles pop up and, and you feel like you've gone from reading a history book or a philosophy book into maybe a fairy tale like Aesop's Fables or, 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 or something that was produced by Disney or something like that. So today we want to talk about that and, and, and really answer um, that, that, that question, what's up with the Bible feeling like a fairy tale? So I, I think this is a great time to discuss this topic because... It's the Christmas season, and when you start reading uh, the biblical account about Christmas, it seems more like a fairy tale. Uh, you open up the book of Luke, and you start reading, and all of a sudden, it, it sounds like a, a history at first, but then all of a sudden, it, you hear about um, angels popping up right away, uh, talking Gabriel, talking to Zechariah and Elizabeth, and then that... Zechariah and Elizabeth, even in their old age, although they've never been able to have children, they're going to have a child. And then you go on to Mary, who's this young virgin woman, and she's going to have a baby also as a virgin, and her baby is going to be God. And so over and over again, you see these, these kind of miracles popping up, and it kind of feels like a fairy tale. And so we wanted to talk about that a little bit, and... Um, <laughs> And then later on, uh, the, the story of after Jesus is born and he's placed into a manger, angels show up to nearby shepherds and they light up the sky. And, and you're, you're thinking, you know, somebody told me that this happened to them today. We would think they're crazy. So why would I believe that this happened 2,000 years ago? So these are all things I want to, we want to talk about and discuss. I'm here with my friend John Mullen. And I don't know, what do you think, John? Have you ever thought about this or have you ever talked to anybody that, especially around the Christmas season, um, the Bible seems more like a fairy tale than actual history? What do you think? Yeah, thanks. It's good to be back. Um, you know, this this is going to be an interesting discussion. Um, to be honest, I was a little I was a little nervous about this because, you know, going into this, I thought, well, how, how can you speak about miracles? You know, how can you try to uh, explain something that's, that's unexplainable. Um, so, so I was kind of wrestling with that early on in the week. Um, and, and then I turned to a couple different books. Um, one of the books I'll reference later in the show, but, but the other one was a book called Miracles by C.S. Lewis, mm. um, which I would recommend yeah. um, along with everything else he ever wrote. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, in that book, he, you know, he made some really good points. Um, and he gives a really good definition of the word miracle. Um, C.S. Lewis writes that a miracle is basically just an interference with nature by supernatural power. Yeah. So, so, you know, taking that into account and, and, you know, thinking about some other things and reading these books kind of helped shed some light um, on this subject for me and actually helped me to come to a conclusion um, that may sound pretty bold at first, but um, it's something that I, that I do believe. And, um, that's that Christians aren't the only ones that believe in miracles. Actually, um, actually, everyone does. So we'll get to that later. But cool, that sounds great. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, well, again, I think this is a, a good subject to, to discuss when um, around the Christmas season because everybody is kind of caught up in, 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 in this idea of, of the fantasy world. And, um, you know, before the show, we started talking a little bit about this, about how um, all the stuff around the Christmas season, every Christmas movie is trying to get you to, to kind of jump into this fantasy world of Santa Claus and elves and, and, and magic and all of that. And I've heard people say, well, I think the Bible is just, you know, something that kind of gets added onto this kind of fantasy world that just like, I used to believe in Santa Claus, and then I came to see that was my parents putting the uh, the grips under the tree. I used to believe in Jesus, and then I and then I come to see that um, you know the reality is that science is true and miracles are false, and and these are all things that I used to believe, uh, but they were all a fairy tale. Um, I, I I think tonight we're going to watch as family. We're going to watch uh, Christmas movies, and uh, I I love Christmas movies, but they're all kind of you know about magical kind of things. I think tonight we're going to watch. We, we we usually have like Friday night. Um, a pizza movie night. We try to do that not all the time, or a pizza game night. There's always pizza, that's for sure. Mm. Uh, but I think we're gonna watch Santa Claus, the Tim Allen version. I just love. I, just, I don't know. I like. Nice. And then uh, and our kids, they love. It's a Wonderful Life. Mine do too. Yeah, which is kind of such cool. an old movie, but it's awesome. <laughs> I know it is awesome. <laughs> but you know, like it has a Christian theme. Those both kind of do, not sorta, I guess. Um, but it is kind of caught up in this Christmas miracle idea and you could name, you know, miracle on 34th street. And it's all about believing in Santa when in reality, we know that, that yes, Santa Claus was this guy who lived like, I don't know, was it 300 AD? He was this guy, uh, early church father who helped the poor and he kind of turned into this legend and we still talk about him today. And, and the, the spirit of Christmas is believing in this legend that he still drops gifts off at people like he used to in the in the early few centuries and i think a lot of people put christianity in that same category like jesus such a great man he all these legends kind of cropped up around him but all this idea of him coming in doing miracles all the miracles surrounding his birth is just kind of in the same category as watching these christmas movies um, and i can see why people would say that i mean i've struggled with that i mean you you read Again, Luke 1 and 2, and you see these angels popping up, and you see um, these miraculous births to Elizabeth and a virgin birth of Mary. And then and you, you think, like, if somebody told me that today, if I t- told you, John, last night an angel came and talked to me in my bedroom and said that uh, my wife and I are going to have uh, this special child uh, in a supernatural way, you'd kind of look at me and say, like, maybe go go see a doctor, you know, like there's something wrong with you. That's right. So, I mean, that's a legitimate thing. Cause that's not something we usually witness. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and that's why it's important at the onset here to, to, to say that we find these, these events, you know, amazing too. I mean, it, it's hard for any of us to get our minds around some of these things. Um, and, and another important thing is the people that they happen to in the Bible, they were amazed by these things too. It's right. not like it's not like Mary expected an angel to show right. up and tell her that she was going to be the mother of God. Right. Okay, she she thought she was crazy. Right. So so it's it's completely reasonable to to look at this and say wow, miracles. That's just I don't know, it's it, it's hard it's hard to discuss even. 
Yeah. And there's been a lot of people who have used miracles to manipulate too. I think that's another reason why people can be skeptical. Like, um, you know, I, people have, have said a miracle happened to them when it really didn't. And they've used it to, for personal gain. They've used it for, um, ways to maybe get, get people to follow them or make money out of, you know, there's all sorts of, 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 people who have manipulated things, said they did things, said they saw things to try for their own personal gain. So, and then, and you know, and a lot of times we're just skeptical of, of, of anybody who says that something in history happened in a way that is not normally how we see it today. So yeah, there's sometimes, I mean, it's not, not just here in, in the Christmas story, but other parts of the Bible, you know, you got Moses leading, you know, speaking to a burning bush. Then you have Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt and parting the Red Sea and them eating manna in 40 years in the wilderness. Uh, this, this bread that fell from heaven, uh, the parting the, the Jordan River as they enter the promised land, the, the walls of Jericho falling down just by blowing trumpets. I mean, there's all these things that seem so fantastic, so beyond reason that... Um, that, that why do Christians still believe that these were actually historical events, that these really happen if we don't always see them brought up today? So that's kind of, I, I, hopefully that kind of clarifies uh, some of the issue at hand and, 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 and maybe we could jump into a response to some of these things. But what do you, is there anything else that you wanted to add to that whole idea that, you know, that miracles are a hard thing to grasp? No, I mean, I, I think that's that's number one. But um, but then on the other side of that, too, you have to remember that the Bible is not an ordinary story. The Bible... You're already answering the question. Oh, let's get, we'll get there. We'll get okay. there. Let's, let's... Okay, we'll get there. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe that's how we should set up. I'll be the skeptic and you can help answer these to me. That, that okay. could be the next way we do this. But. Sure. So when we, we, we jump in and um, so... How, how do you begin to answer it? How, how do you begin to look at it? And maybe just uh, the, the fact that in the book of Luke, if we're still just thinking about the Christmas story, um, Luke makes this claim. If you open up, if you get your Bible out or you look on BibleGateway.com or something, you look at the, the Bible and it begins, Luke says that he is writing an orderly account about the things that, that took place. And he carefully investigated everything. And so he is making a claim right away from the onset that he is writing something that's historical, that you should follow it. So that's that's a pretty big claim right there. So the Bible is saying that's historical, that these things really happen. And not just here, but all over the scriptures, they make this claim that it's, like you said, it's a historical account. It's not like any other book. But... Then right away, and so you see that some of these historical claims right away, uh, the first verse after that, he does make uh, like kind of what we'd expect in a history. He says, uh, in the days of Herod of Judea, which would be Herod the Great. And you could go to Israel today. Um, a pastor I worked with years ago went to Israel quite a bit. And he said that if you go to Israel today, Herod the Great is all over the place. A lot of the things, he was a massive um architect. He loved to build buildings, mostly to just, you know, get, make a name for himself. But but he was a master architect. And if you would go there today, that would be, he said, that's one of the things that you would see today is that Herod's, Herod the Great's fingerprints are everywhere, still today, 2,000 years later. So that's kind of cool that the book of Luke begins by naming this historical person that we can go today and see the things that he made, even today. So it's a historical book. 
But then, like, the next verse, all of a sudden, and then the angel Gabriel shows up to Zechariah in the temple. And now we're talking about angels. Um, and so, uh, that it seems to change into a different genre of literature. Now we're talking about angels. Now we're talking about miraculous births. Now we're talking about all these things that don't seem to fit into that same category as a history, a biography, and um, all those kind of things. Well, you, you already kind of mentioned a, a, a definition of miracles. Um, you you want to say that again? What was the, the definition of yeah. miracles? Um, according to C.S. Lewis, he writes that a miracle is an interference with nature by supernatural power. Okay. Yeah. So, interference with... So nature i mean yeah i think that's kind of what we need to start with right there that why do we have natural laws and this idea that that the only reason we have natural laws like the only reason we can do science is that god invented laws of nature um it's a miracle that we even have the laws of nature and and it's a and it's only because of the miracle that there are these laws of nature that we can even do science. Uh, it's a miracle that everything seems to be so fine-tuned in a, such a way that life can happen. And, and these laws of nature, um, they don't seem to be just haphazard ob ob objective laws and, hey, that's just the way things work. But all these laws seem to fit together so that life could function on earth there seems to be a purpose behind them and and so the fact that there are laws of nature i think implies that there is a lawgiver so before we can start talking about um miracles breaking the laws of nature let's just talk a little bit about laws of nature in general so uh, you what do, what do you want to talk, say about the laws of nature john well yeah i think we take a lot of them for granted actually okay i mean um i I mentioned a couple books that that I had looked into this week, and one of the books was by um, a guy named Vince Vitale, who um, who taught philosophy of religion at both Oxford and Princeton colleges, and he he wrote a book called Jesus Among Secular Gods with Ravi Zacharias, and in in that book he makes I'll, I'll just read from it here, but he makes a pretty good pretty good point. He said, let's remember that right now we are sitting on a rock rotating at a thousand miles per hour flying around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour, being hurled through the universe at over 1 million miles an hour, a universe that's almost 100 billion light years in size. Now that's pretty miraculous. <laughs> now we, we wake up every day, right. we don't think of that. Right. We, we just think, well, you know, the sun's going to come up like it always does, and, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, but we don't stop to ask ourselves why. Right. It doesn't have to. Right. And so I, I think we do need to, to pause and say, and just think about some of these things that we take for granted. Yeah. I guess one of the things, too, that I think about is that so often I hear people say, because we know how some things work in the world, that means we don't need a God. We don't need God because now science tells us how things work. But telling how things work doesn't tell you that you don't need a creator. It tells you something about the creator. Like, you know, so when I look at, at, at um, an iPhone, 
when I look at an iPhone, I can do science on the iPhone, but just because I know how the iPhone works, I can study it and learn about it and how the information passes to different things. I couldn't do this, but if I was a scientist, you know, study an iPhone um, and I could study all the different functions. I could study how, how it's set up and how it's, how it works. And um, just because I could study it and explain it doesn't explain away Steve Jobs. In fact, the more I studied the iPhone, the better understanding I would have about Steve Jobs, right? So I started studying the things that he set up on that iPhone, and I could already start to learn something about him. I could say, oh, Steve Jobs loved music. That's why he designed iTunes, and he could make it come. Oh, Steve Jobs loved simplicity and beauty, and he did. I, I think like he didn't even have furniture in his apartment. Like He's a really eccentric oh. guy. And that's kind of how the iPhone set up, like, I'm just going to give you the simplistic bare minimum. I don't want to clutter your life. And that's that you could learn something. About. You could learn he's incredibly, uh, in, uh, you know, uh, inventive and, and, and uh, in, incredibly wise that he could design and, and think about problems. You know, I remember watching his speech when he um, revealed the iPhone and he, he was making fun of the tiny little buttons on the BlackBerry. Mm-hmm. If anyone hearing this podcast remembers mm-hmm. what BlackBerry is, but he said, I wanted a touch screen. So he saw problems. Saw it. So all those things. So when I would do science on an iPhone, it doesn't explain away the inventor. It actually tells me something about him. And and it's interesting that, that the Bible makes that same claim. In the book of Romans, it says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So you can understand or clearly see the invisible God by looking at what he's made. So the same way that I can't get to know Steve Jobs anymore, he's already passed away. But I can learn a lot about him if I study his iPhone. I can't see God right now, but I can learn a ton when I do science and I learn about the laws of nature. And you go out to Colorado and you, you look at the mountains and you and you see, what do I learn about? I learn he's wise, you learn he's powerful, learn he loves life, that he's created things in such a way that, um, that, that life flourishes. Um, that incredible power and potential in a seed and in DNA, all these things. So you're right. I mean, I just think that, that that we have to start there, that it's a miracle just to look at the world the way it's set up, the universe the way it's set up, the planets the way they're set up, the fine-tuning of everything is set up. And the more we do science, the more we study um, the normal things the way it works, the more we get to know about the Creator. That's really good. I think, I think you can use that example, you know, in a lot of different ways, you know, the more, the more we, you know, someone learns about the, you know, the engine, the more they appreciate Henry Ford, the more you learn about um, beautiful paintings, the more you appreciate Rembrandt, you know, the the more you learn about something that, that doesn't say that now that you've learned about it, you can do away with the creators. You can say, wow, what, what a brilliant creator to do it that way. Yeah, exactly. So, because I, I think this is maybe that I've heard the argument or the idea that, like, if you start believing in miracles, then you're going to stop science or you're going to stop progress because you're not going to try to figure, you're just going to say, oh, everything's a miracle. Life is a miracle. Uh, 
the, the way the, the solar system works a miracle, the way the, the water table works and rain and weather patterns work, that's a miracle. God does it. So now we, you know, I don't know any Christians who are saying that today. You know, in fact, the more we study science, the more we assume there's a purpose in everything. Assume there's a purpose in, in how things work, that it's not a chaotic mess. I mean, if everything happened by chance and there was no laws necessarily, that it all just, you know, it's kind of just thrown together and, and striving forward, we wouldn't assume there'd be purpose. But I look at the weather patterns and I study them because I assume there was a purpose in how they were put together. I look at the body and I look for clues that there was probably a purpose and that's what we're finding. You know, there's a purpose for, for our antibodies to fight against diseases. There's a purpose about why our bodies are designed a certain way. And you start taking that out. You stop assuming that they were designed in a creator and you're going to miss out on all sorts of things. So I don't think believing in a God who can do miracles, believing in the God of the Bible is going to stop science. In fact, um, it's going to lead you to appreciate it even more. So right. some of the first thing I would say to somebody uh, is that, if you want to get to know who God is, go out in creation and see how wise and how incredible he is. It'll get you somewhere. It won't get you all the way to Jesus, but it'll at least get you to kind of realize how big, how powerful, how beautiful, how artistic, how creative, how wise um, God is. Right. And we also have to understand the scope of science. It is limited. Right. You know, science is the study of the natural world. Yeah. Many of these events we're talking about they're not natural. They're supernatural events. So science can't really speak to them. So, uh, you know, I think it's important to to remember that that science is limited in itself as far as what it can explain. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Very good. Science is so good. It's so good. It's But it's just, it's looking, science can look at the iPhone and we can both, like, I can believe there was a Steve Jobs and you cannot believe there was a Steve Jobs. And you and I can study the iPhone together. And, 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 and come up and figure out how it works. We can, you know, you can believe that, that there is a God and I maybe don't believe there is a God and we can study the human body and figure out how it works. Religion is saying, why is it here? How did it get here? What is the purpose? And that's something that science, science tell you how things work. It doesn't tell you why. I heard a really good uh, explanation of that by John Lennox. Um, he's a He's another author that I read a lot of, um, but he was describing this and he, he, he explained how science answers, like you just mentioned, it, it answers the question differently. He gave the example of, say the question is, why is the water boiling? Yeah. Um, someone might say, well, because, you know, it's the kettles sitting over a flame and that's agitating the, the water molecules and they're, they're going faster and faster and starting to boil. But another person might come along and say, no, that's not why it's boiling at all. It's boiling because I want a cup of tea. So both answers are completely correct, but they're answering, they're answering it different, different ways. Um, And so, so science answers, you know, the, 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 the technical gives you the technical answers. Whereas God oftentimes gives you uh, the personal application answer. Yeah. And the why. And the why. And that's usually more important. Right. Why is there such a beautiful world? Because God loves us and he made it. And we'll get into why it's so broken and why it's so messed up. That might be another podcast. Or we'll get to it even here. But um, So, okay. So, let's at least say this. The reason there is um, so much fine-tuning, laws of nature, the reason there are laws of nature is because there's a lawgiver. 
We would never assume things are structured uh, in such a way, laws, if there wasn't a lawgiver. And, and that's what we see when we look at the world around us. What a miracle is, you, you, you see a Lewis definition of an interference. Uh, if we're using the word law, we could also say, you know, God is coming in and he's breaking the law. He, he made this law that human reproduction happens this way. And he's breaking the law and it's happening in a different way with Mary. Um, usually we don't see angelic beings. That's normally, we don't, we don't live in that angelic spiritual world. But every once in a while, he breaks in. Usually water flows, you know, along the lines of gravity. It doesn't stand up in walls where Israelites can walk through uh, on dry land as they came out of Egypt. But he did that to break the law. And so um, God set up these laws. And you, you've already mentioned how incredible they are. <laughs> that we're on this rock, that we're spinning around this universe, that it's all holding together, that gravity works the way it does. That, that frozen water floats when it should sink. All these, you know, these mm. things that are working the way they're working, and we take them for granted. And every once in a while, he comes in and he breaks the law he set up. And um, and this is, you know, maybe some people see uh, miracles in every corner, and, and, and you could. I mean, depends if you want to call all the laws of nature a miracle, things that only God could do. Um, you know, some people see miracles in, in, in every prayer, you know, that there's miraculous, maybe healings or things like that. And, and, and we could talk about that, but even, but in the Bible, it's not like every page has a huge event of a miracle. It, it's not like in the Bible times, there was miracles every moment that where God was showing up and coming down and doing these incredible things. There are some really big events where he shows up in an incredible way. 1,400 years before Jesus, 1,400 years before Jesus, he came through Moses and he parted the Red Sea and he led over 600,000 to a million people out of Egyptian slavery and he, and he protected them and started really the nation of Israel. 2,000 years ago, um, he came in a very powerful way uh, to Mary uh, in the Holy Spirit and they had a child. And that's you know, there's a thousand thousand years of difference between the is that that big event with Israel and and when he came. So I think that's something also to to, to talk about. That that it's not like God is breaking in on every page of Scripture, every moment in history, doing these bigger things that that we should all see. And so the reason we don't see them everywhere is because it is a miracle. <laughs> if it, if it happened all the time, it wouldn't be a miracle, right? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think. I think it's good to point out that most of the Bible is, in fact, in, uh, just an account of verifiable history. Um, it's describing people and places and, uh, and, and normal things. Uh, there's definitely miracles sprinkled in, but like you say, it's, it's, not, it's not, you know, a book like Harry Potter or something that, that's just, you know, the whole thing is just fantastic. Right. Um, right. You know. so, so now I think I'd, what I'd like to talk about is why. Um, why does God break in in such powerful ways? Um, he breaks those laws. Um, why does he break those laws? Why does he, he come in in such powerful ways? And, and, and one of the ways I was thinking about saying is he breaks those laws to show us that he is coming in a powerful way to do something wonderful that we couldn't do for ourselves. And I think that's, that's how I would make the definition of a miracle. A miracle is something only God could do. A miracle is only something God could do. And 
God came in to our world in Jesus Christ to do the thing we couldn't do. The thing we can't do is live a perfect life. We all want to live a better life. We all want to live this ideal kind of existence, but we can't. And we haven't been able to do it. All the technology, all of the philosophy, all of the counseling, we're, you might, we might see progress five steps forward, three steps back in our life, and that's great. Let's keep trying to do that with the power of the Holy Spirit, all of that. But to live a perfect life, we couldn't do that. And so we needed a miracle happen, that God would become a human and live a perfect life. We needed somebody to pay for our sin. Um, sometimes I tell people uh, this thought, uh, and, and it always freaks them out. Um, I want you to imagine that someone's been videotaping your life. And they've been videotaping your life, and they have it all down. Everything you thought, everything you've ever done. And this week, they're going to show that video in the local movie theater. How many people do you want to come and watch that movie? None. <laughs> I mean, neither. <laughs> I don't want anyone to watch it either. You know, like, and nobody has told me, I think I want everybody to see everything I've ever done in my life. Because it's impossible for us to live the completely air, you know, the completely perfect life that doesn't need to be airbrushed. It doesn't need to be kind of explained away. But here's the great thing. So imagine that scene. Imagine, um, you know, someone's videotaping Ben Sadler. Someone's been videotaping John Mullen. They're going to do a two-part series uh, at, the, at the local movie theater. And, and so everybody from our community shows up. And we're sitting in the back just freaking out that people are going to watch this movie. And then all of a sudden it begins with a baby in a manger. And then it goes on to a young boy in the temple. And then it goes on to this man who's going around healing people and gathering 12 disciples. And then somebody who, who says he's giving up his life for the sins of the world and he's resurrected. That's the miracle that when God looks at you, and me, he doesn't see our life. He sees Jesus' life. He sees what Jesus did on our behalf. And so, that yeah, we needed a miracle. We need God to come in here and to live the story that we wish we could have lived right. in our place. Exactly. You know, as I was thinking this week too, I was thinking, I was thinking about, you know, how some of these some of these miraculous events. You know, if I was if I was just someone that was just going to, you know, write a story, uh, you know, try to make up a religion. Um, they could have made it a lot more palatable if they wouldn't have included some of these miracles. Right. You know, um, I think it would have been easier for some people to accept, but, um, but you know, one of the things that, that, that I think is, is so amazing too, is like, if, if I were going to write the story and just make something up, um, you know, I would not have the savior of the world come in as a little helpless baby. That's dirt poor, right. Born in a barn. Right. You know, I would have, you know, the savior would be, you know, royalty and right. he would be a warrior and all this where jesus was none of that right he w he was basically the the poorest in society right um he 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 associated with with the poorest and the sickest and yeah. and that so you know he's not the type of savior that we would have expected or or written had we written a story yeah very good very good yeah so all these different ways that, that just kind of show it's a little, a little different. Um, so we, so God comes in to show up in powerful ways to do things that we can't do. Uh, and, and we would call that grace. We call that a gift. We call that the gospel, good news, that God is doing something for his, the world he made that ran away from him, 
uh, that we couldn't we couldn't do for ourselves. We couldn't fix our world. We couldn't fix our lives. And so God did what we couldn't do for ourselves. What I find interesting um, in the book of John, uh, the other biography about Jesus, that I, 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 I think this is completely true. Someone will have to Google it. That John never uses the word miracle, but he always calls them signs. Hmm. And I find that interesting because a sign points to something greater. So it's not like Jesus is coming into this world just like, you know, doing magic trick shows. You know, you go to a magic show and you want to see, you go there not because you care about the person, the magician. You don't care who that person is. You're not there to see the person. You're see what kind of cool stuff he can do. He can pull the rabbit out of his head. He can do the card trick. And you're just there to be amazed at his, pop, you know, at what he can pull off. And, and you, you try to figure out. But he's not here to entertain. In fact, very often, if people were getting that impression, you see in the Bible, he does it in secret. But I think the reason they're called signs is because they're there to point to something greater. They're, they're all signs pointing to the fact that God is something way greater than we could have imagined, that he is doing something way greater. than we, And, this, and, and the, the miracles point us back to Jesus, point us back to our God. Not so we'd focus on how he can turn water into wine and think, wow, wouldn't it be great to have him at our parties? Mm-hmm. They're there to point us to his love, that, 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 that he's a God who, who does, uh, he does bring joy into the world, like he did turn water into wine. He brings joy to that wedding. He brings joy to our life. They're, they're there to point us to something greater. And so let's not get so caught up in the miracle itself and miss the point of the miracle as a sign to point us back to something greater. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I think that's really good. You know, and, and as you said, oftentimes, you know, when even the Pharisees, I believe, when they would they would ask Jesus, well, show us a sign. If you're the Messiah, show us a sign. Yeah. And and Jesus says, No, I, I won't give you that. And yeah. and so and so he himself, he he didn't want to be that magician. Um, you know, and and so we have to, you know, understand that and and realize that he didn't come, you know, to you know, and he, like you've said before, he didn't come and heal every single sickness, every single disease. Um, so he he wasn't he wasn't here just to perform miracles, but um, but he certainly did, and that's yeah, that's what we saw. And he's pointing towards the greater kingdom when all sin and all sickness and all disease and all death will be wiped away when Jesus comes back again. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a sign pointing not just to Jesus but towards his return. He came once as a baby, and he promises just as he came, promised to come. There's over 300 prophecies of him coming the first time, and they all came true. And then he had all these prophecies that he's going to come back again. But this time to renew our world, to take away sin, to take away disease, take away suffering, to do the greatest miracle, to make this world the way it was always supposed to be, to, to renew it all. So I, I think that's another sign that's pointing towards a greater end. So he didn't heal everybody because he wasn't there to just heal He's there to point to the ultimate healing when he comes back on the last day and the hope we have. Okay. I guess I, I want to close by a couple of things here, but first of all, the, the idea that we need a miracle. So thank God there's miracles. Thank God. I think that's why they're, I think it was my dad who said this lately, you know, why, why in a world where there's so many people who are saying they've given up on this whole religious idea why are superhero movies 
so popular mm-hmm. right now? Why is Harry Potter? You mentioned Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Why is that such a big deal? And by the way, Harry Potter's story is basically Jesus. You know, Harry <laughs> dies and comes back to life to save the world from the evil, um, uh, yeah, Voldemort, right? Like, and that's pretty much the story of Jesus mm-hmm. uh, rescuing us, dying, come back to life, uh, destroying the work of the devil. But, anyways, why is this? Why is there such a a a a magnetic pull to all of these supernatural stories right now is because I think we all are looking for a hero. We're all looking for somebody to be powerful, to do that. Cause we realize we're in a mess. We need a Hulk. We need a Superman. We need a Harry Potter. We need a hero. And, 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 and I think that's why we're gravitating towards these stories, even in a secular culture. And the good news is we do have a hero. His name is Jesus. He's at the center of history. It's 2018 years since he came. Uh, we divide history by him. He really happened. And and you don't need to look any further. It is Jesus. And maybe he hasn't showed up exactly in the ways that you and I wanted. And that's that's the other bigger question. I believe, all right, if, 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 if miracles really happened, why didn't he work that miracle in my pain or my suffering? That's a whole nother topic of mm-hmm. suffering that we need to talk about. Yeah. But I think there's a longing for the miraculous and that's why there's such a desire to watch these movies and read these books what, what do you think yeah I, I think that's true too um i think deep down we all know that we can't just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and and, and figure it all out we can't we can't get out of our own mess you know we have we first of all we have to like we talked a little bit last week we have to we have to recognize the mess and then we have to be humble enough to to go to god and, and admit that that oftentimes we're powerless yeah. without him without him working a miracle in us we're powerless yeah so thank god there's miracles right thank god there's miracles thank god yes. um thank god there is a god who breaks in and does the things that we can't do and that we can trust that and if he did it once he's going to do it again and it is miraculous it doesn't happen every moment and happen in every situation but it did happen two thousand years ago and it's going to happen again and then, you know, I do think once you start to open your eyes to that, you see them all over. Mm-hmm. You see people uh, who, who, who have gone through traumatic things making it through. You see people who have um, who, totally transformed their lives. And all you could say is, that's a miracle. Right. So m- maybe what, like one encouragement I would have for anyone listening is this idea, be open to the miracle. Don't, don't, don't say, because I can't put it in a Petri dish or a, or a, or a, 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 a beaker in the laboratory, I can't study its components of a miracle and I can't reproduce a miracle, uh, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Be open. In fact, see your need for a miracle. And, and so that's what be my encouragement to people is just be open to it. Be open to it. Yep. And my, you know, my closing thoughts would be, just that science can't answer everything. Um, you know, I think we should we should come to this topic with humility um, and admit that that th- it's hard to get our minds around some of these things. But um, you know, there are there are things in this world and in this life that that we can't explain and and that we'll never be able to explain. Um, and you know, I started this show by by saying that you know it's not just Christians that believe that believe in miracles and and. You know what? What I was getting at there is that that it's actually naturalists believe in miracles as well. You know, if you 
you know, Christians aren't even the only ones that believe in the virgin birth. You know, if you're if you're a if you're a naturalist, you believe this universe came from absolutely nothing, mm-hmm. and that's a virgin birth. Yeah. You know, even you can say, well, it came from a gas or it came from gravity or something, but that's not nothing. You know, if if the universe came from absolutely nothing, which is what you have to say, if you're a naturalist, then you believe in a virgin birth as well. Mm. Wow. So it, it's not just Christians that believe in the virgin birth. It's not just Christians that believe in miracles. Um, I actually think it's it, it would be a bigger miracle to believe that this whole entire universe came from absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a miracle in itself. But, you know, I just think that we need to be humble enough to to give God, you know, the credit he deserves um, and, uh, and just be thankful for what he's created. And, um, you, you know, when we, when we see all the different amazing things around us, then maybe we can look at the Bible and, uh, you know, him turning water into wine wouldn't, isn't, isn't so unbelievable after that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So, well, I hope this is helpful as we're trying to continue to do the what's up with that, a, a deeper dive into life's most important questions from a Christian point of view. Obviously, Uh, These kind of discussions or arguments or whatever is not the answer. We hope that everybody who's listening finds a local congregation, talks to a pastor, finds a group of of, of people that you can ask your questions with and and kind of walk through. And and most of all, I don't think people are always looking for um, an answer to objections. They're looking for a community that will love them, a community that will help them walk through. Because I think most reason the reason why people are looking into these things is because they're hurting. And because they need a miracle, they need some hope, they need some help. And and hope was born 2,000 years ago in that manger. And a miracle broke in. And that's and and, and so be open to that. Be, be, be open to that possibility. And I think you're going to have a, a much different Christmas, a much more merry holiday, something much better than anything the world could offer. So... Great job, John. This is a lot of fun. We'll we'll uh, we'll keep going on. I think next time I'd like to talk about um, about what's up with the Bible being true. Isn't the Bible full of errors? And mm. I'd love to kind of just walk into that. So mm-hmm. I think that could be a great next topic. Yeah, that'll be a great subject. All right. Very good. Adios. Thank you.